things are not great. They are blue. Mm. They said we couldn't be here. And uh, thank you, Brett, for that uh, rousing, uh, mildly intoxicated welcome. I think you could take mildly out of that sentence. Yeah. At that point, it was mildly. By the end, he was uh, dancing with a chinchilla at the end of the game. So behind, Right behind us. Right behind us, amazingly. I, I, I like, like when that happened, all of a sudden the guy was next to me dancing. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, oh, yeah, the guy from Barstool. Okay. So I saw the video because my first thought was, how the hell do you get a chinchilla into the Enterprise Center? Okay, so I I, I have an answer to that because I, I do too because I saw the video. Oh, did you see the video where he used it as a? Uh, he said it was a uh, emotional support animal. Yeah, and they didn't. And they just let it okay. And they he had a letter from a doctor. And I'm making air quotes right now because I don't know if it was yeah. legit or they forged it, but they let it through. Yeah. So. We get to talk about more hockey in June, which is kind of crazy. And by this time, me and you were kind of like, "All right, we'll get you. We'll get you guys uh, around the draft. Yeah, we'll do our draft shows and free we'll agency, free agency shows, and we shut it down for the summer and come back to you around uh, mid September or so." But uh, we're still playing hockey for the first time in ever, I guess. Yeah. Really, uh, this is a, it's officially the latest now because I think the other day there was like a day in a. May where we got that was like when we got swept by Boston the last time when we lost uh when that number when it was the game two when we lost got it excuse me game two is when we won but that's when we lost to Boston forty nine years ago and that was the latest this team has ever been in the playoffs wow and now we now we it's like we talk we've talked about many times on this podcast and me and you talk personally that this team is just keeps setting breaking records and which we'll talk about in this. Uh, is this, this the latest the playoffs have ever gone? Because it feels, yeah. maybe just because we're in, so is. involved, but it just feels like we're playing hockey really late. I think it's not as late as ever, ever at NHL. Because I remember a couple years ago, it was like, I remember with the lockout, it was pretty late. Yeah. Because they started late. But um, for us, it's definitely late because we're not used to it. I mean, I like no, it. I'm not, like not complaining it. at all. So, the Blues and Boston Bruins face off in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, and it's uh, been a series, let's say that. It's been a lot of ups and downs. Yes. Uh, emotionally, let's say that much. We were, uh, we've, uh, I mean, you got to witness uh, history the other night on yes. Monday night, which was nice. Uh, that was cool to see. Uh, so, series is at two to two, even though it was, uh, a lot of stuff has happened in this series um, on and off the ice. So, we're going to dive into all that. We also got, believe it or not, there are still trades going on. There was a trade made that kind of under the radar right. uh, the other day for by the Winnipeg Jets. So we'll talk about that near the end, and we'll see. And if we get well, if we get time, we'll talk about a couple of rumors that kind of popped up on uh, Sportsnet yesterday. Then I'll, we'll talk about those. I'll get Chris's reaction on those. Sure. 
So <clears throat> Blues start off in Boston for the first Stanley Cup Finals game in almost 49 years for the St. Louis Blues. So um, Boston had about 12 to 13 day layoff before these started. The Blues are only had maybe like about a six day layoff because of the way they did the schedule. Yes. So more so Memorial Day after you're doing your barbecue and you're getting settled down and you get to watch hockey, which is great. So the game starts off really well for the Blues, to say the least. The first and period thought, was all St. Louis. I was really uh, happy the way this uh, game started, to say the least. It was kind of what you wanted. The, the forechecking was there. It seems like we kind of had them by surprise. Uh, not surprise, but at least you could tell they maybe were rusty or whatever you want to call it. Um, they were definitely rusty in that first period. <laughs> And you yeah, can see it. Like, you know, I know that this is a Bruins team that was doing nighttime scrimmages and different things to simulate gameplay and game type situations. But the fact of the matter is, even in a scrimmage, it's just not the same atmosphere. And you could tell that these guys had had um, two weeks off. It showed. It showed greatly in the first, I'd say, 15 minutes of this game. Yeah, so the Blues doing their thing on the four check, and Braden Shen, uh, after breaking his goalless streak at the end of the last series, gets another one here. His third of the playoffs from Schwartz and Bomeister. Just uh, a hardworking play where Bomeister uh, comes in, t- takes a shot. It kind of deflects off of one of the Boston players and goes right to Shen, who kind of outweights uh, two grass and beats him blocker side. Yep. So, uh, like I said, we looked really good. And then, of course, a minute into this next period, Vladimir Tarasenko off a giveaway by, I believe it was, I don't know, I want to say Pasternak, who was going behind the net in like kind of a defensive player role because he was helped back check, but he just gave the puck right to Braden Chin. Yes. He gave it to Vladimir Tarasenko, who beats Tukarask, blocker side again. And the Blues look great, two to nothing. And while you're celebrating, Boston comes back and scores off kind of a fluky two on one where you kind of saw us developing and the, and Corrali, who's a fourth liner threw it towards the net and it hits Clifton stick just perfectly. And unfortunately Jordan, uh, Jordan Bennington just misses swiping this puck. Yes. Just barely misses it. And just like that two to one, uh, this is where the ice starts to tilt towards Boston. Um, blues started taking a bunch of penalties here. Um, Charlie McAvoy gets his second of playoffs off a of kind of a it wasn't really, it's called it's a power play goal, but the Blues actually were killing this one off, and McAvoy comes in one on four, and the Blues kind of back in, and McAvoy takes a shot and just beats Jordan Bennington, who wishes he had this one back. I would say so too. So the Blues, as we'll talk about during this whole series, just start to take a bunch of penalties, like left and right, in the especially in the third period, or second period for sure. Edmondson and Oscar Sundquist take the two penalties, and then Sammy Blay takes one late in the third. Yeah. Uh, which kind of kills the Blues' momentum. Uh, Corrali gets one, gets the go-ahead goal early in the third off kind of a basically a scramble play in the front, and then I believe it was Gunnarsson couldn't tie him up, and he gets the third of the playoffs. So I'm a carry, a carry, whatever, and Chara and little rat Brad Marchand gets his uh, eighth of the playoffs uh, empty netter because, you know, the Blues don't know how to play when there's an empty net. So, That's true. 
So overall, what do you think about this game? So it went from tale of two games or about about a first period and probably the first three minutes of the second period. I think the Blues pretty much were control of the game. And then once that uh, goal by uh, excuse me, by Clifton happened, it seemed like it kind of tilted the ice and the Blues never really recovered. Uh, I think that's fairly accurate. Um, you know, Boston came out rusty, that's for sure. And the Blues looked like a steamroller in the first and even the start of the second. Uh, when they went up 2 nothing, I-, I was watching this at a friend's house, and I looked at them and I said, if the Blues get this next goal, they run away with this game. If Boston gets the next goal, I think Boston's going to come back and win. And you, you could just see as Boston got that first goal, and then that second goal, you can see the machine start to crank up and you can see the momentum continue to build. And it just seemed like, you know, you hope the Blues score the tie-breaking goal, but it just felt like that Boston Bruins tank was not going to be slowed down. Um, so I wasn't surprised to see Boston take one, game one. Um, surprisingly, I believe this is the first time they've won game one at home ever. At, the, well, at least during this playoffs. Yeah, during yeah. this run. Yeah. So another couple of facts. That's what I meant to say. Games. Yeah, during this playoffs. That was the first time. So we'll get into some more facts about uh, teams winning during the playoffs during certain games. So game two, back in Boston. Blues still looking for their first win in Stanley Cup Finals history. Game does not start off well. They take a penalty early on. Charlie Coyle gets his seventh from DeBrusque and Pasternak. Uh, a pass like right in front from DeBrusco. It's a pretty nice play. And Charlie Coyle goes five hole and Jordan Bennington. Um, just not great. I, that one, I think he didn't have a stick down all the way. Just not a great play by uh, Bennington. So, Bortuzzo comes back, though off a really, a really great shift by Pat Maroon here. Like he was just behind the net cycling the puck, um, basically a shift and a half for him. Cause he was just gassed by the end. And he actually was screening uh, to Carrasco on this as Bortuzzo got the puck off a wraparound, like a puck went around the boards. Bortuzzo threw it towards the net and it hits a defense. I think it hits a Grizzlick in front. And, right. and then Bortuzzo gets credit. His second from, uh, Bozak and Gunnarsson. So one thing I did forget to mention that the Blues did take a make a lineup change here. Uh, Robert Thomas is out after a big hit by Tory Krug, which which NBC was just slobbering themselves over. They just loved that play, even though Tory Krug wound up from the other end. I will 100% say David Perron was all over him, and Dave Brown deserved a penalty for what he did. I'll 100% say that he was all over him, ripped his helmet off, wouldn't let go, tangled up with him. Maybe they could have both had coincidental minors, but I think Perron definitely does a penalty. But Krug is obviously pissed off, charges from his own end, and hits Robert Thomas, like, doesn't even go for the puck. Mind you, the hit was legal. I'm saying the wind-up from the other end, and he obviously had intent that he was going to go hit somebody. He was going to go hit Perron, but Perron went to the bench, so he diverted his attention away from him and went straight for Robert Thomas. And basically knock Thomas out of the playoffs because he has yet to see action since that shift. Yeah, you know, I, I don't disagree with that assessment at all. Um, I also think the hit was clean. People in St. Louis who are crying that it should have been, you know, a five-minute major or a misconduct because he hit him in the head. He didn't hit him in the head. 
No, it was he clean. hit him square in the shoulder. Um, do I think it was a charge? Yeah, I do, just because of how much distance he covered. I understand that by the letter of the of the rule, it's not a charge because he stopped skating and glided the last 10 to 15 feet. Mm-hmm. But that dude took off from in front of his own goal more than three quarters of the way down the ice, building up speed. If that is not a charge, I don't know what is. Yeah, I wasn't a like I said, I wasn't a fan of just the wind up. And that's I, what I mean. Yeah. Like I, I get that he covered his butt by not skating through the hit. Uh that you know, and you can watch him. He glides the last like I think he hits the blue line or just before the blue line. And, he's and he just stops yeah, glides. Right, right. and he just glides into him. But by that point, he's got so much speed built up. He's got almost three zones worth of yeah, like, speed. Like, you know, but, he's, he's a pretty fast player. I think this is one of the things that the rules committee needs to to, to think about because, you know, this is a very gray area to me. Like, yes, he did not charge through the hit, but man, oh man, like, at some point, you have to factor in the distance traveled. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mine's he, the intent too, because he obviously was going to do something. That was my thing more than anything. You're right. Uh, the reason I bring up the distance is NBC even made a meme out of it, to where they have they have Krug teleport through a portal to get to him and make the hit. Yeah, that's and, my yeah. Yeah, they were all about it for. Definitely the first two, like the next game too. That's yeah. all they showed at least a couple of times. Almost every break they had a picture, they have it, and it's been on their like uh, bumpers between like in, in the commercials and stuff, you know. So now the, the thing is, if you listen to the blues, this is not the reason why Robert Thomas is out. Yeah, according to Brube, he said it's a pre-existing injury. Sounds like a wrist injury. Uh, he Thomas has skated once or twice since then. And every time he's done it, he's just pretty much skated. And they said he's done little to no stick handling, and that's a broken very wrist. Little shooting, so so more than likely a wrist type injury. He didn't skate again today, which we're talking. Uh, we're doing this on June fifth, right before Game Five. Uh, game Five is tomorrow, so he is probably still out. I would expect him to either be out for the rest of the playoffs, or at the at the most, if it goes seven. Which would if be it goes Mike seven, team. man, I don't know if I would plug him in. Like I get that he's skilled, mm. but. It depends on the situation, I guess, because right, yeah, we'll, as we'll talk about it, who's playing right now? Actually, is playing surprisingly playing well. So we'll talk about that. Playing well, and I think like does putting in a cold Robert Thomas give you that much of an advantage? Dude's good. Dude's real good. Um, I don't know. It's something to consider for sure. Yeah, we'll talk about another hit during this game that happened on the other end. So. Happened the Blues that happened against uh, Boston. So we talked about a Bortuzzo, but then less than about a minute, less than a minute later, Joachim Nordstrom gets it back, makes it two to one. Uh, Blues just kind of scrambling, and uh, Nordstrom gets it in front and outweights Bennington, and he goes five hole on Bennington. The two five hole goals this game, uh, not a great start for Jordan Bennington in his game, but I think uh, when it mattered, he uh, held in there and played well as the game went along. 
uh, still making his record uh, really good when he uh, has a, a loss. He always bounces back from a loss, as we uh, will talk about uh, later in the series. But a lot of four minutes later, Vladimir Chesnikov gets his tenth of the year from Schwartz. So a kind of a crazy period, back and forth period here. Really great hockey to watch to a degree. <laughs> For us, this is very stressful. I mean, if this was like no interest in this game, if you had no team dog in the fight type of game, uh, this would be a great game to watch. Yes. So back and forth, hard hitting, uh, lots of skill on uh, display. Um, so two to two, nothing happens for the second, third period goal wise. We will talk about the Blues who uh, Oscar Sundquist, who hits uh, Boston Bruins defenseman uh, Matt Grizzlick, hits on a uh, yeah, obviously he does hit him in the head. Yeah. My argument is is that he committed to the hit. Grizzlick decides to turn his body to the point where Sunquist didn't have much time to react. Could he react? Maybe. I don't know. Like, watch it in full time. It looked like he made – Grizzlick made an odd turn against the boards, in my opinion. And Oscar Sunquist gets a two-minute penalty. Grizzlick goes down. Is out the rest of this game, so they're playing with five defensemen through most of the game. This is about mid, near the beginning of the second period. Uh, the Blues kill off the penalty, obviously. Sunquist only gets a two-minute minor. We'll talk about what happens later in the uh, after the game. Nothing happens in the third period. Blues have a couple of close. Ch- I think both teams have close chances in the third period. Uh, nothing really happens. But the Blues near the end of the third period, I thought took control of the game, and this is where. It carried over to overtime. So overtime, <coughs> three minutes and 51 seconds in, Carl Gunnarsson will go down to Blues history as the first player to score a game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup Finals. Gets his first of the season from O'Reilly and Sunquist off of the Blues. Technically, were uh, waiting for a penalty was called at the time. So Blues actually had an extra player, believe it or not. So kind of a power play, I guess you can say. It was a little bit. I, I I think what leading up into this, this entire overtime was all blues. All yeah, blues, blues outshot them four to nothing in overtime. But they controlled it though, like you said. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't close. It was uh you know, even to the casual fan, you watch you watch that overtime and it it was obvious that the blues we're not going to be denied this win. Kind of like what we talked about with watching game one, where you could feel Boston get that boulder rolling downhill and there was no stopping it. You watched, I mean, keep in mind the Blues damn near ended it with a minute and a half left in regulation from a Gunnarsson sla- uh, slab shot that hit the post. Mm-hmm. But that overtime, the Blues had so much offensive pressure and their cycle game was so strong. And that's going to be a theme of this entire series as we keep going, that it just seemed like a win, not an if, or when the Blues were going to push through and get one past Rask. Yep. So the Blues split the series, which is, which is you know, obviously you like to take both would be the ultimate goal, but you take one of two, which is pretty good in my opinion. Bring it back home. What a great day. Well, you'll listen to another, well, the second podcast posted where we did a couple interviews. Hopefully they come across really well. Um, and we tailgated outside. I mean, the city was just going nuts. I mean, downtown was great. The watch party was going on. 
the Cardinals game's down the street. Everybody's hanging out for the Blues game. People are tailgating. Like, we got there at 12, 1230, and yeah. we weren't the only ones. There was a ton of other people tailgating. It was a great there. day. Everything yeah, about the day was great except the game. Correct. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it, it was one of those days where um, anything that could go right was going right. And then anything with the, except, wrong, with wrong. the exception of my dad trying to find a bathroom before the game, that was the only thing that didn't seem to go well before game three. Yeah, it was uh, it was very crowded down there, to say the least. Uh, all three years, like Fox Sports Midwest, NHL Network, and NBC all had outside booths set up right in front of the Enterprise Center. So that space was taken. Market Street was partially sh- was shut down because of the watch party. I mean, uh, it was crazy downtown, uh, to say the least. So... Early for us, we for the watch party, we're going to go watch the game outside. And, of course, tornado warning happens, and they shut down the whole party outside. Literally about, my guess is from when you were inside, probably about the time Charles Glenn starts the anthem. That's about when the watch party gets shut down. It was right after 7 o'clock. That sucks. And so we are all posted up, ready to go. And then, you know, a lot of police officers came down and said, hey, we're clearing the area. We'll let you know when it's when it happens, I look at the radar and it's just this huge blob of red coming this coming through St. Louis. So I'm like, we're not going to be able to watch the game outside at all. So we're able well, to find a spot on Washington Avenue uh, and watch the at least part of the game there. Well, while you were watching Echo Smith and uh, the other fun stuff on Market Street, guess what I was doing inside Scott, uh, the Enterprise Center? I was hanging out, doing nothing, right? Hanging out. With my new best friend, Craig Janney, number yeah, so, fifteen, in, the best number fifteen in Blues history. Yeah, so Chris gets to meet his uh, all-time favorite Blue, Craig Janney. For uh, I'm sure that you've seen the pictures on social media. So yeah, it was pretty um, awesome. He said he's yeah, coming so, back for Game Six. Yeah, so you got a chance to see him again. Yeah. So maybe maybe good. Hopefully, well, I don't know. Well, he, they lost when he was in town last time, so maybe. Uh, Maybe tell Craig to stay away for game six in case we uh, need to win. Who knows? Or maybe he'll be good luck this time. I don't know. We'll see. Because this game, to put it in a simple uh, frame reference, was a uh, uh, shit show. Dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. So Blue, uh, Bruins get four goals on five shots from Bergeron, Coyle, and Corrali in the first period. And Pasternak, 41 seconds into the second period. Two of those are power play goals. To put it simply, the Blues didn't, sh- sadly enough, didn't show up. And I don't know if it was just because the, it was a lot going on in the city, and maybe they could feel that energy that was just like, oh wow, this is like, for once the team like the outside noise got to them. Who know, I, I dude, I kind of think that was it. And I know that you know they're pro athletes and they're supposed to be above that, and it's not supposed to affect them. But anyone who has played sports and anyone who is a student of whatever game it is that they play knows and understands historical moments you know look at you know the chicago cubs the boston red sox any of these others other much maligned pro sports teams with dubious histories um and they all you know had their moments where they stumbled out of the gate. Um, the Blues looked great for the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. They looked strong. 
I, I really think that, and they'll never admit it because you know, that's not what a pro athlete does, but I think the team allowed themselves to get swept up in all of the emotional side story of what this game was, all of the pomp and circumstance and all of the, you know, bells and whistles that surrounded what this was, that it was, you know, the first Stanley Cup final home game in 49 years and, you know, uh, a chance to, uh, you know, erase demons, and blah, 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 which is all true. Um, and it's hard it's hard to push that out of your mind and just play hockey. You know, it is. I don't care who you are. It's hard not to feed into that beast. And it was almost like, and I was there to watch this game, that this team came out guns blazing for the first five minutes. And then it's like they just hit the wall. It's like they... they spent all the gas in the tank in the first five minutes and then were sucking wind for the next 55. Yeah, it was a uh, not a great game overall. Barbashev get a goal to make it four to one, but then of course Krug comes back with a not a great goal. And this is the first time Jordan Bennington in his career he was pulled after five goals. Jake Allen comes in, plays pretty well, honestly. He's fine. Uh, Colt Brago gets a goal late in the middle, beginning of the third, but Noel Carey gets his, um, gets an empty netter. And then of course, Blue's like a penalty right after that. And then Marcus Johansson gets a power play goal just to make it even worse. So seven to two. And, I, and in your opinion, is it almost better that it's seven to two instead of like a heartbreaker? They score in the last 30 seconds to like absolutely three to two. Cause I think that's like, you're like, well, that's not gonna We're not gonna let that happen again. Like the seven to two, I think yeah, the three I, to two, I think so. it makes it makes me feel like it's like that's a tough break. Like it's a little more of a heartbreaker compared to like, wow, we let the team down, we let the we let everybody down. So now we're going to come out on fire and not saying that won't happen with a three to two, but I think it's easier to put a seven to two game behind you than the three maybe a three to two game. Yeah, I I've said for a long time that you know when I played and I played basketball through college and Jason, I know you played sports as well that. If I'm going to lose, I would rather get my teeth kicked in than lose at the buzzer because those losses stay with you. You know, mm-hmm. when you lose in heartbreaking fashion, you lose sleep over that. You know, that that haunts you for days to come. Whereas when you just get annihilated, it's it's easier to go, boy, that was a really piss poor game and then move on. And, you know, this was not all on Bennington. He didn't look good, but to be quite honest, nobody on that team looked good in game mm-hmm. three. Correct. Outside of the first five minutes, they all looked slow. They all looked, they all just looked not plugged in. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was texting with you guys, I think, at the start of the second period, like I was ready to pull Bennington as soon as he gave up that fourth. And I know yeah. that there was nobody around to, to help him with that, but he just looked like he got abused on that fourth goal to start the second period. And my whole thought process was, okay, it's now four to nothing. 
You're 21 minutes into the game. He obviously doesn't have the stuff tonight. Like yeah. he, he doesn't have the stuff. The team is not playing well enough to pull out of this nosedive. Save him. You know, save him the the anguish of getting more poured in on him because you know they're coming. And just let him put this game out of sight, out of mind. And they let him stick in for one more. But, um, yeah, man, it, it was just a game that, like, you sit back at the end and you just go, yuck, that was bad. And then you move on. Because there's yeah. really, like, you don't need to talk about it. You don't really need to break it down. Everyone sucked. Move on. Yeah, it wasn't a, overall wasn't a great game. So a couple of news and notes from the game. So we kind of alluded to this earlier. Oscar Sundquist winds up getting suspended for one game for the hit on Matt Grizzlick, who did not travel with the team for games three and four. So they were down a defenseman. Um, Sundquist is out. And I made the joke to you, I think. It's like if you told me last September that you would be really pissed off that Oscar Sundquist is not going to be in a game, you would think like, oh, my God, this season has gone horribly wrong. Yeah. And now it's like he's such a key cog and has played so well uh, on that fourth line, making that fourth line. Agreed. And that PK, he's just been really great and turned into a very great defensive forward. So yeah, uh, who could pot some goals. So that's been great. So uh, he is out. Um, My question to you now, I know it's one series and you're supposed to like not, you know, it's one series push the, the, you made your love for a certain player aside. So some former blues captain, David Backus is now with the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no, pro- you know, he left and we, we've talked about it on the podcast before and with friends and stuff. And it's like, you know, his choice to leave the blues offered him a contract. Maybe it wasn't his liking yep. as long as he wanted, but they went, were offering money, but he didn't decide to take the more money, go to another team and not be a captain of the team anymore. Cool, man. That's do what you it's need to do for your family. Hockey. It's fine. Yeah. We got it. Not a big deal. Goes to Boston, does his thing. Wasn't playing well this year. Had some healthy scratches. Um, seems well. He was on this team now. I believe, if I'm wrong, Jason, correct me. On that Toronto series, he was a healthy scratch four out of the seven games. Yeah. So early on in this playoffs, until they had a couple injuries, and he kind of uh, made his way back into the lineup and played well. Let's, I will, I'll put in that too. He made yeah. his way back and played well when he's been there. What do you think about some of the comments he made after not only this game but Game Four? which we'll talk about the game for the game two comments. Uh, if I'm paraphrasing here where he talked about the grizzly kid. He, he basically said those hits shouldn't be in the game. He hit him in the head. He's like, if we keep allowing the hits like those, we're not going to have too many defensemen left in this play in these uh, Santa cup finals. Well, number one, I haven't seen what he said after game four. Um, what I'll say about his comments after game two is I understand the point he was trying to make. However, I would encourage David Backus to go back and look at his career highlights and look at how many questionable hard hits he's made in his career. Um, I don't think that there was anything wrong with the Sunquist hit. You know, we talked about it. He was committed to the hit. Grizzlick moved. It's unfortunate but it changed it from what would have been a clean, hard check into the boards into him going head first and driving his head into the glass. Um, 
Yeah, which which mind you, Sunquist is a player who's never had a, even a hearing. Right. I, so I don't far. think that I don't think it was an intentional head hit. Which is what um, the Department of Player Safety said, but they said it's still a dangerous hit, is what they classified it as. It is. I understand why they gave him a, why they gave him a game. I I disagree with it, but I understand why they gave him one. I think that Bacchus's comments coming from a player like Bacchus, who was known for being a heavy hitter, were a bit comical because it's like, dude, remember when when you got the nickname Captain America because in the in the games leading up to the Olympics, you started hitting anyone and, and fighting, everyone anybody and who's on fighting anyone and everyone who was going to be on Team Canada. Like, let's pump the brakes before we start chastising people for doing things that you've made a career out of. Or do you think that was more of a, his way of lobbying Department of Player Safety to give him a, a suspension? Because at the Could time, be. there was no other thing I thought. I, I thought it, it kind of seemed that way because I think a lot of people said, like, Listen, man, you're the last person that kind of should be saying you and yeah. you had plenty of questionable things that you've done in your career. Even this playoffs, remember he was uh, on top of Bennington and pressing up against his knee, yeah. which caused Bennington right in the face. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been questionable things you can even say he did. There question dirty tactics, whatever. Like I said, uh, no, I'm, I don't want to change my opinion. You know, based on just this series, but honestly, the comments between these two games really kind of pissed me off. I'll be honest. Well, I'm not, I, I'll tell you before game. When we get to game four, I will yeah. talk. I'll talk about it. But uh, it just makes I me think, think like you need to stop lobbying, dude, and just need to focus on playing the game. Well, he's going to be a mouthpiece this game. He is. He is a storyline in and of of himself. So they're always going to go to him for a comment. Always. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know. I get it. I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to rally Boston and stuff like that. But yeah, man, as, as a blues fan who cheered him being the tough guy, it's it's interesting. To me, it's very much like when Joe Thornton tries to speak out about hits and hard hits. It's like, you're Joe Thornton. How many people yeah. have you taken out for dozens upon dozens of games with your cheap hits. Yeah, I so, agree. So like I said, was it wasn't a fan. Yeah. We'll talk about the game four. four. So the blues hoping to put this behind them, going to game four. Uh, I had the, along with you, I had the privilege, thanks to you to go to this game, uh, sit some really great seats and kind of soak it in and watch uh, the great opening video, which, which I got to see had, uh, let's see, Plager. Federico. Federico. Hall. Pro, Hall, Petrangelo. Probably. And Pronger. Was McKinnis in there? Did I miss McKinnis? No. He wasn't in there. Okay. So those guys are in a really great video. And uh, they continue to, like we talked about before, the digital production team or whoever it is for Blues continues to put out like really great stuff uh, throughout the playoffs. So I've really enjoyed what they've done. So one of the keys of the game was we talked, me and Chris were talking before the game. We said they really need to get on the board early. Yes. And they did. Ryan O'Reilly gets his fourth of the year from Stanford and Dunn. 43 seconds in, shot goes wide. Uh, Dunn, who is finally back in the game yep. uh, after getting hit in the puck, uh, in the face of the puck last series. And Sanford, who has been slotted in last game for technically Oscar Sundquist. But then he stays in this game for Robbie Fabry. So Fabry, Fabry's out. 
Uh, Dunn is in a long end, and Mortuzo is out of this game as well, which I thought was kind of questionable. I thought he was playing okay. We knew we were on the the. Uh, we need to get Joel Evanson needs to sit a game. Oh boy, boy, which we saw this game. He uh, had a couple of questionable things, and he played almost fifty seconds. Uh, just 50 seconds, excuse me, more than Sedano Char, who got hurt during this game. Yeah. Halfway through this game. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. Edmondson so, has for sure struggled in the series. Yeah, he doesn't great this series. Like when he comes back, it seems like he played really well, and then he just kind of has these peaks and valleys this year. Yep. Um, so what are you talking about? Rhino Rally, wraparound goal, fourth to the playoffs. Really awesome. Lose, I think, of pretty much controlling this game overall. Um, Boston's had a couple like small chances. But uh, Charlie Coyle gets his ninth year from Chara. So Chara gets the puck into the zone, just takes a slap shot. Uh, what's your opinion on this? Should Jordan Bennington uh, control this rebound, or do you think it was just a hard enough puck to control and Charlie Coyle was just left open in front? Well, that's the million-dollar question, Was isn't it, is, you know, how hard of a shot was that? Could Could Bennington have smothered it, or did it hit him hard enough that it bounced off? You would like to think in a perfect world Bennington takes that puck covers it and melts it down and Charlie Coyle has no chance to to gather the trash and put it in but but it is what it is I think the bigger problem as you alluded to was that there was nobody guarding Charlie Coyle yeah that Jordan uh Jane George was about three four sets behind him and lost him in coverage so one the one but Blues come starting back, but Alex Petrangelo was a nice little toe drag move here after Braden Shen gets the puck into the uh, Boston. Great move. I think, and we'll talk about this. I think Alex Petrangelo might have had his best game ever as a St. Louis Blue. I agree. I, he was. I agree. He was a monster this game. Yes, he was. Minutes, Thirty minutes played, two assists, which we'll talk about, and a bunch of other stuff. And a great tackle. So, yeah, yes, and took out David Backus uh, later on. So. Vladimir Tarasenko is 11th of the year on a rebound after a shot from after Trangelo at the 15-30 mark. 2-1 to one after 1. Um, the Blues get a power play, and me and you, the comment you made to me, you turned and looked at me, and what was your comment when the Blues got a power play? Just don't give up a shorthanded goal. Uh, I think the other comment was, too, is like, if they get a goal here, they need, they need to, to bury them. Yeah, because they were losing control in this game. They spent, and, I think they spent three minutes and did two complete line changes in the offensive zone before they drew this penalty. Yeah, it was a pretty great. It was about two and a minute and 20 something seconds that they were in the zone. They had two full line changes. Like Chris said, um, just wearing down uh, Boston. So Brandon Carlo gets his first of the playoffs. Of course he does a shorthanded goal from Bergeron and Marshawn. So Marshawn brings it in. Uh, this is the Marshawn who takes a shot that pretty much was just trying to, shoot it so he gets the rebound that goes right to Brandon Carlo, who's streaking in. Nobody comes back to cover him. And believe it or not, Jordan Benson almost gets this puck when he's going across, yeah. tips it with his glove. Probably another inch or two, he probably would have had that uh, in his glove. But Blues, Blues and Boston, 2-2 two, two after 2. Um, three of the first four games, this is what happened. So the only game that this not happened was game three. So the other three games have been 2-2 two to two going into the third period. So what would happen this time? Uh, the Blues, in my opinion, oh, I don't think Boston really had a chance this period, like a really good chance. They might have had something. I think early in the second period, I think McAvoy hit the post. But outside of that, I really can't <coughs> excuse me, think of a play or something that on my notes here that stuck out that Boston was really close to getting a goal here. 
The Blues locked it down. Like I said, Petrangelo makes an awesome play here. Carrying the puck in the zone, winds up, looks where O'Reilly is. I think it's O'Reilly, and I want to say Sanford is nearby. And just takes a shot up high, perfect shot that hits the upper right shoulder of Tukarask. And Ryan O'Reilly bats it out of the air and goes five hole on Tukarask for his fifth, his second of the game from Trangelo and Gunnarsson. And Braden Shen, believe it or not, Blues get, a, get an empty net goal off a really nice defensive play by Braden Shen, stripping the puck. Uh, from Pasternak at the red line. Gets the unassisted goal at the 1831 mark. The place erupts. Probably the loudest I've ever been in that building because my ears are ringing afterwards. Um, an insane kind of play there. Blues win 4-2. Tied up 2-2. And that's where we stand right now going into game five. So what are your uh, – let me give you the thoughts. Uh, let me give you what David Backus said really quick. And then give me your thoughts on the game and what Backus said. All right. So – David Backus, after the game, says, I think the refs were officiating two different games there, two different teams there. Basically, all of a sudden, he's like, all of a sudden, they swallowed their whistle, and they weren't calling anything. Because they basically said, the game before, Berube made the point that the Blues were the least penalized team in the playoffs going into this round, and now they had 14 penalties in three games. Well, Boston's coach was alluded to that same thing in his uh, post-game press conference. Uh, and specifically called out that he didn't think the hit on Tarasenko was an actual penalty, that he thought that was Tarasenko's fault for trying to back check um, or reverse hit um, and got hit in the head. Anyway, look, I there is a case to be made that the least penalized team in the playoffs suddenly had – 12 penalties through three 14. games. Four, 14. Sorry, 14 penalties through the first three games of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's it's not like the Blues changed their playing style. Um, that being said, I think that this was a, by and large, while very physical game, a clean game. Obviously, somebody sat David Perron down and gave him a talking to. Yeah, because he was not great in the third game three. No, he was not. And the guy that we saw in game four was not the guy we saw in game three. The defense was much more um, disciplined. The players overall were much more disciplined. Um, You know, let's also break down the penalties from game three. One penalty was assessed to the Blues because they lost their challenge. Yep. You know, so that's neither here or there. And there were a couple of others that, you know, didn't really impact the game. But, you know, I I think that what the Blues did was more than, I mean, yes, Brube complained about the officiating. I think that was just. But I think the Blues had to come to Jesus after that game three when they realized if you put these Boston Bruins on the power play, they're going to score. I mean, they went, what, four for four in game three? Yeah, four for four in game three, and they're they're about a 38% right now. Yeah. Uh, so efficiency. They went 0 for two in game four. The Blues really did a fantastic job of locking it down. And, and, that's the, the, and also, conversely, let's talk about the Blues power play has been the exact awful, opposite. Awful. They one goal is period. One goal is a. You know, I'm sure series. we'll talk about it once we get done recapping the games because it's one of the things that when we solicited for 
things to talk about. It, it came up, but uh, you know, we'll we'll mention it briefly here. Is just that this team again, like they seem to all the time, is far more concerned about making that extra pass for the perfect shot than they are just funneling pucks on net. You know, they don't all need to be pretty goals. The greasy ones count too. And, you know, you've got to get shots on Rask. You've got to. You've got to put rubber on him. And too many times in these power plays, the Blues try to take make one too many passes and they either get intercepted and turned around the other way, as we saw in game three and in game four, um, or they just pass and pass and pass and pass and pass and the penalty expires. They don't get a shot off in either case. It's (laughs) you've got to put the puck on the net. You've got to also stop putting three offensive players below the goal line. I can't tell you how many times I see that and it drives me effing crazy. Yeah. The the power play needs some adjusting. And I think with Vince Dunback, hopefully that will help. I think, I don't think it'll hurt. Yeah, so maybe the Vince done being out, maybe that will uh, kind of help stabilize things. It seemed like uh, it was a little bit, at least some more shots were happening yeah. in game four with him back. Um, Robert Thomas is so we talk about still out. I don't think we're going to have him. So he was kind of a, he was on the power play. Maybe he would have helped. But still, you got guys that are playing really well. I think guy, to me, who hasn't had a great Stanley Cup final so far, he's been great in the faceoff circle. But Tyler Bozak has, you know, he's been okay. I think, right. but he's but he does PK and power play duty, so yes, maybe that's one of the things. Maybe one or the other. Maybe you know, maybe take off the power play, maybe put somebody else on there. I don't know, but yeah, but who do you put on? Because I think eh. right now you've got your your number one unit. I believe is O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Perron, uh, uh, Pareko, and Schwartz, and Schwartz. Your second unit is Bozak. Shen, Petrangelo, Dunn, Dunn, Maroon, I, or or is it Steen? I think it's Maroon's been Maroon's been the one lately. I think Steen's hasn't have been too much in these playoffs. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, so I, I don't know. So I don't know who they would really fit in. Maybe I don't know. Zach Sanford, who we we kind of briefly yeah. talked about, he's believe it or not, I thought played okay in Game Three, but I thought Game Four he played really well. I thought he played fantastic. It yeah, just so. it it drives me bonkers and i think i said it to you in game four it's like it's almost like they don't realize that the man advantage is a literal man advantage and not just metaphorical Mm -hmm. like they actually do have one extra guy as opposed to the other team because they make it look so hard to do anything not just score a goal but to hell man get in the zone and set up yeah, it was a little, uh, yeah, they're probably like, I don't even know, like it's one of those things where I, I understand patience sometimes when you're trying to look, but like sometimes too much patience is a bad thing as well, where you want to make yes. sure you have a good shot. You want to make sure, because let me be wrong, Boston's done a pretty good job at shot blocking. Uh, I know there's that game two where uh, one of the guys for Boston, either Corrali or Noel Carey, one of those guys, blocked like three shots in one power play. Right. Well, off Pareko. But it's one of those things where, 
you want to be selective with your shots, but you also don't want to wait for the perfect shots. And the Blues, well, I think, are having, I think they're struggling with that aspect right now. They're trying to find that perfect pass, perfect shot, but they need to sometimes just getting the puck to the net, as we saw with the Gunnarsson uh, goal in overtime, where they literally just passed it and he just wound up and shot the puck. Well, had a couple I mean, guys in front of the net and they scored. Jason, look at the look at the goals we scored in Game Three. Two of the three goals that we scored with Raskin net were goals off of rebounds. Yeah. You know, so the only just, one that wasn't was the, the first goal, the wraparound by O'Reilly. The Tarasenko goal was off of a rebound. The second O'Reilly goal was a rebound off of off of uh, uh, of Rask. So it's, it's you know, what you need to do on that power play is funnel pucks to the net and have somebody in front ready to sweep up the, the, the rebounds because – Rask is a good enough goalie that, yes, you can put one by him clean occasionally, but more times than not, you're going to score off the second chance or third chance or a scrum in front of the net and one's going to squeak by him. You're not going to beat him with a clean slapper from the point or a one-timer from the slot that often. You you can do it, but, you know, most of the Blues' goals in this series – have come on the way of the rebound. Yeah, so the Blues, yeah, I think more pucks in that, pretty simple. You do that, I think you'll be successful. Seems that it's not, like we said, the playoffs is not the pretty goals sometimes that work out. It's always the dirty goals that kind of yeah are the ones that uh, matter or the ones that you wind up uh, seeing the most of, mm-hmm. like happen compared to like the pretty goals. So, all right, so the Blues tied 2-2 going into Game 5 in Boston. Um, we didn't really touch on this yet, but Zdeno Chara didn't play most of Game 4. Uh, he got hit in the mouth off a Braden Shen shot that kind of went straight up, hit him right in the jaw. He was bleeding pretty bad. Uh, didn't play the rest of the game. Sat on the bench for a third period with a full face mask. Didn't play at all. Um, today, now there's conflicting reports. I saw he's a broken jaw for sure, and then I heard he's out. And then just before we start recording, I saw another guy on The Athletic reported that he thinks that he's going to play now. So if the Blues, if he doesn't play, there's a chance that the, the Boston Bruins would have two guys down, two regular defensemen down, Char and Grizzly, because one of their, probably their two, no matter how Krug's great, but two of their top uh, defensemen, their top four. So that's kind of an interesting uh, uh, thing that might happen. The Blues might be able to take advantage of that. But – Grizzlick also practiced today in, not, in a no-contact jersey, um, but he was also power play time. So who knows if he's going to play at all. Right. Uh, Bruce Cassidy talked about them possibly playing seven defensemen and 11 forwards next game. The counteract with all the – they might have to play like two rookies or, or guys that haven't seen that much time. Uh, so what do you think for the – what do you think that if the Blues wound up not play, having to play against Chara and or Grizzlick next this game? Well, I think that if if – the Bruins are down two defensemen. It certainly will be interesting to see what their defensive pairings look like. Um, and obviously that's going to soften up the blue line of the Bruins. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure what their prospects look like on the blue line or, or what their, their, you know, their, their deeper blue line looks like, but you know, here's the thing when it comes to Chara and with all due respect to the fact that he's the captain of the team and he's an all-world player, let's let's not pretend 
that this is Zdeno Char of 1998 or even 2008. You know what I mean? Like it's a four. He's a 42 year old Zdeno Chara, and I don't think he's a loss to the team. But it's not like we're talking about a team losing their number one guy. You know what I mean? Still, like he's a very good player, but at this, he's 42 years old. Right. Having your mouth wired shut, like that. Uh, I'll say this, and I am not a, I'm not a proponent of uh, headhunting people by any means, and, and I'm not saying this to say like, oh, well, you got to go hit him in the face. But <clears throat> if Zdeno Char is playing Game Six, I think the Blues would be foolish not to test his pain threshold and not to, on a couple of occasions early on, if you have the opportunity to give him a good hit into the boards, see how he responds from it. Because if Boston is is going to cart him out there and you can knock him out, then that's one less player that they could put on the ice, you know, and then they're down, you know, then they're down to, even if they do start seven defensemen, then they're down to six defensemen and and, and seven forwards. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to have, or nine forwards. They're not going to have their full allotment of players. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, man. Like if if I'm, if I'm Bruce Cassidy, I, I sit back and I'm like, man, is it worth using the spot on the day on a, let's say conservatively 75% Zdeno Chara or is that next guy who's up in rotation a better look for me? I don't know. Yeah, It's, it's uh, weird to even say that when you're considering someone like Chara and the career he's had, but it's one of my big problems when it comes to hockey because everyone knows that hockey players are tough as tanks and don't want to be sat, but – at some point, you have to start looking at, is me playing hindering this team? And we had this talk a couple of years ago when it came to Alex Steen. When you could tell that there was something wrong with Steen, they would never address it, and then the Blues get eliminated, and suddenly it's, oh, yeah, Alex Steen's been playing with the, you know, what was it, a broken shoulder or something like that. A bum shoulder or something like that. And it's like, well, then, hell, dude, if you know you can't go, say – Hey, coach, I can't go. You need to find someone else because you ain't doing the team any good. Maybe this is what's going to happen with Chara. Who knows? Yeah, so my thing is it's going to be a whole smoke and mirrors thing. Let the Bruins leak out that he might play. Then maybe try to disrupt what the Blues think they might do. To, I don't know. I don't think it will affect the Blues. The Blues don't carry the way, I think. But I think it's one of those things. It could be just mind games, smoke and mirrors type thing. Should Could be. Yeah, so we'll we'll see at the morning skate uh, tomorrow. So we'll see what the Blues uh, and Bruins are doing. So game five. So an interesting stat, which I thought was in, uh, really relevant to how the Blues play. I think the Blues, what they do, they is wear down their opponents, which we've talked about numerous times during these playoffs. And I think this is a very not enough data. I think that for this to be a very telling stat. So so far in the Stanley Cup Finals, or I think found Stanley Cup playoffs. Games five through seven, if through the first three rounds, they have played seven of those games, games five, six, and seven, those three series. Of those seven games, the Blues have scored 23 goals and only allowed nine goals. 
including a shutout mixed in there. And their Blues record so far, 6-1. and one. Yep. The only loss is that Dallas game, which you can almost argue that Ben Bishop stole that game. Yes. When uh, he stood on his head for almost like 40 saves that night. Um, so I think the Blues are going to, even with the Chara Grizzly thing, whatever happens there, just the way they played last game and kind of seeing how players are commenting, how the coach is now commenting, where he thinks the Blues are just trying to, to go after the health of the Bruins and try to win that way, just basically hurt them so the they could win, which is it's called wearing a team out. Because uh, at this stage of the game, it's interesting that the, the, a team that is a heavy team, a la kind of like the Kings of the 2012 era, where they uh, just wear down teams are big, heavy, wear teams down. That's what the Blues are doing. And I think the Blues are in pretty good position. You know, we're still facing a very good team. Uh, Jordan Binton does really well bouncing back from losses. He's 11-2 and two right now after losses, or 11-1, and one, excuse me, after uh, losses. Continues to play well after having a bad game. So hopefully we don't have to add to that stat anymore. We can just win these next mm-hmm. two. The Blues have a chance to bring it home Game six, an elimination game. So either way, which we talked, we kind of mentioned this. Either way, game six, this, the cup is going to be in the building. Yes, it will. Just hope that the Blues are in position to take it then. So if the Blues win game five, Jason, and they go into Sunday night with a chance to win the Stanley Cup at home, I don't, and I've been to, a shit ton of concerts, sporting events, all sorts of things where crowds are assembled. I don't know if I will be anywhere that will have had as much tension and excitement in the atmosphere and anticipation as what I would be walking into on Sunday night. But you have to to handle business at hand. This team cannot have a repeat of game three. After game two, when the Blues took it to Boston in the second half of that game in overtime, people stood up and took notice of this team and said, wow, the Blues could really win the cup. And then when they got their asses handed to them in game three, man, I'm telling you, and you and I were in the car on Monday night, mm-hmm. driving down to Scotch or to Enterprise Center, listening to Sirius XM NHL radio. It was a funeral for the St. Louis Blues. Everybody was giving the Blues their eulogy. Boston's bigger. Boston's stronger. Boston's faster. Boston's figured out Bennington. The Blues can't compete. The Boston's just a better team. It was done. Send the cup to Boston. It was over. People knew that this was going to be a five-game series. And the Blues responded again. The question is, can the Blues string together two wins? Because I got to tell you, man, I think... If the Blues can win this game tomorrow night, or as you're listening to this tonight in Boston, I think there's going to be so much pressure on the Boston Bruins that 
if the Blues can score that first goal, holy Jesus, it is going to be an avalanche of noise that will not stop. And I think that if the Blues can win game five and get that lead, it is going to be a train running off the tracks. Yeah, it's going to be another. What's, what we've said this, how many times are in these playoffs? The, the biggest game in the Blues uh, franchise history. Each game. That, like, each game is like we said that since game seven of the Dallas series, you can almost say. Yes. I mean, look, man, we are in uncharted waters with this team. Ever since game two, when the Blues won their first Stanley Cup game, it's like, okay, we are now further than we've ever been. We're now closer than we've ever been. Game five is the biggest game in Blues history until Sunday. And then if they split those two games, then obviously Wednesday in Boston will be the biggest game in Blues history in game seven. I I really feel that even if Boston wins game five, the Blues will hold serve in six, and we're going back to Boston for seven. And then at that point, it is truly who wants it more. Yeah. I would like it they'll be over in six for my uh, – But, man, I'm level. telling you. I'm, Boston's a good team, though, man. They are a great team, and I am taking nothing away from the Boston Bruins. But I think the, you have seen the way this team – plays this postseason and we talked about this we talked about this at the start of the playoff run that i said the one thing this team can't do which they did in 2016 was give up losses when they have a chance to close the series out and so far in this playoff series the blues are three for three where they've had a chance to shut the door or stave off elimination yep all right well four so in that case four, four now but in, in games where they've had the ability to eliminate an opponent, they are 3-0. and And I think <laughs> if, if you give this Blues team the ability to come home and win a Stanley Cup, it would take a perfect game from the Boston Bruins to do it. And they could do it. They could pull mm-hmm. off a perfect game and, and and steal one in St. Louis. But, man, I'm telling you, I think that – and I'm not even going to get into the analytics of the numbers and, you know, the team that wins game five wins, you know, 78-whatever percent of the series. And that, you know, when it's the road team that wins game five, that, you know, it's I think it's like 80-something percent of the time it's over in six. I'm just telling you as a fan who's been at every home game, who has seen this team eliminate every opponent on home ice, that this team, unlike teams of the past, has that killer instinct. And if you give this team a chance to close out on home ice and win the Stanley Cup, I don't think we're going back to Boston. No, I agree. I think if they can get game five, I think, like you said, a, a, a couple years ago was that quote from uh, uh, Doug Armstrong where you step on their throat. Yeah. You know, and kill. This team does it. Yeah, this team compared to teams in the past where. Look at what they, they, lose look a game, what they, they did to Winnipeg in game six. Look at what they did to the Sharks in game six. 
Game seven against Dallas, that was a heavyweight fight. But in two of those three games, they were laughers. Yeah. And by the way, by the way, those were game sixes where we were supposed to win the series. We were the underdog, just like this series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Winnipeg series, they... Um, I saw a really good video on YouTube today. I think it was called the hockey guy. I believe he's pretty popular on there. And he kind of yeah. broke down the blue season and they broke down the playoffs. And he said that every series pretty much winds up being the same. They, they have like the same kind of like when something happens, the blues respond. And that's what he said. He's like, and he's a Boston and they get like, he's a Boston fan. He's even saying like, they're a good team. Like, I don't know if the Boston can, Bruins can pull it off. He's like, I hope they do. But he's like, I don't know if they can. Cause every time when this team is down, they come back and yeah. it's not just one series or a couple, no. like a couple of weeks it's been. And he said, he said, even went back to December. He was to, he, he went back to then he was like, technically this rise started in December. They were six and five before they went to this uh, January 3rd. And that's what everybody talks about. If you, but you look back to December, that's when this all started. And he's like, they've been playing this way since about mid December. If you look at the numbers and analytics and all that stuff, and he went deeper than I'm going to. Right. But he's like, the blues are playing, you know, they have, they have the better possession numbers every game so far, even the blowout, even the blowout win, they technically had the puck more than Boston. Yeah. Boston just had better shooting percentage. And he's like, maybe that's a bit of luck. And he said, that's an, that seven and two is an anomaly. He's like, I don't think it's going to happen. And he's also no. said, Jordan Binnington hasn't had a, a game where he steals it yet. So he's like, Tuka Rask has done that already. He's not saying Rask can't do it again, but he's right. like, Bennington's due for one. So he's like, he's worried one of these next two, maybe three games, Bennington's going to stand on his head eventually and steal a game. And hopefully, and he's like, hopefully it's not an elimination game for the Bruins because it could happen. And I really think that when this team is ready to shut the door, they shut the door. Like I said, if I agree with you a hundred percent, if they win this game five, no matter how they win it, blowout, shutout, overtime winner, one goal game, however they win it. When they get back for game six, I, I fully don't think that's going back to Boston. I just think that yeah. they're they know what's in front of them. I I know they the pressure that's there, but this team has a really good. I think said it. Ruby said the other day a calmness about them. They, they weren't worried about the game. They weren't worried about outside stuff, and they were ready to go do business. And I think Ruby just kind of has his fingerprints all over this team and just gets them prepared every game. And that's how. And you can argue about the leadership from Alfred Trangelo all you want throughout the year. He's doing it now. I mean, at the end of the day, he's got, he'll be the first one to touch the Stanley Cup for the St. Louis Blues if they win. Well, which is crazy to think about. Which actually, we could. <laughs> well, technically, on the ice, a player, Blues player, Chris had the uh, massive privilege, which, which was on a. You didn't get the, too much. Uh, too much. Uh, Not as much as I thought I would. Yeah, Chris was uh, uh, making out with the Stanley Cup this week. I was. So, uh, so here's here's the last question: mm-hmm. Win or to lose, Sunday's the last home game of the year. Mm-hmm. Game three, the Blues brought Layla out to hype the crowd, which the sentiment was nice, and with all due respect to a girl who was fighting a health battle that no one, let alone a child should have to deal with. I think we've ridden that train as far as we need to. 
I wish they would have done somebody else for game three. Game four, you bring out the franchise player in St. Louis Blues history and Brett Hall, who we heard at the top of the program. Mm -hmm. It's got to be Bobby Plager for game six, right? It's got to be. I mean, that's... No I mean, who else? Way, no other way around it. Which we talked, and we yeah, uh, we thought yeah, we uh, I think no, I read kind of saw that Charles Glenn got the max amount. And also, the Blues have gotten the max amount of playoff games every series. Yeah, so every series they've played the most home games they can. If they, oh, my, if they my checkbook's ice, aware. Yes, yeah, <laughs> if they have home ice or if they've had, um, yeah, you know, three games. So they've had the max amount of home games. So mind you, great for Tom Stillman, not great for Chris's pocketbook. No. But but uh, great for Tom Stillman for the Blues and for the city. Hopefully that I mean the city is abuzz with the Blues and Gloria and all this other. I mean it's just great to see the kind of city kind of t- being taken over by Blues fever. And I think this is going to be a huge turning point if things work out well for the Blues. Um, so that's, it, I'm not saying it's not going to be not a not a Cardinals town anymore. Don't get me wrong. Oh no, it'll always be a Cardinals town. But I kind of really think, think it could be a it could be a one A one B thing, which is huge in my opinion. So let's say that it's not Bobby Plager who comes out to amp up the crowd for Game Six. Who is it? Hmm. You've seen, you've now seen the Bruins bring out um, Bilicek. Yeah. The rumor is that. Tom Brady is going to be the guy tomorrow or some people are saying they're going to save Brady for game seven. I don't think he wait for game seven. I think it's Tom Brady hyping up the crowd tomorrow night and I'm going to die in a little bit inside when he comes out. Cause I'm, mm. I'm a Bill fan, but so who do you bring out? Do you bring out Ozzy Smith? If it's not, uh, yeah. you know, here, I'll tell you who it would be. If he hadn't died a couple of years ago, it would be Stan Musial. Oh, 100%. If that was the case, yeah, they bring him out. I mean, a lot of the Cardinals players have showed up like the other night. The Cardinals had an off night, and they had uh, Wainwright, Molina, and uh, I think Matt Carpenter were in the booth up there. So they're there. I mean, if it would be Plager. I mean, if there's it's no reason why it shouldn't Plager, be. I think it is either all three of the guys who have statues out front, even though you've already used all. I mm-hmm. think it is a combination of Federico McInnes Hall. Or it's every living retired player or retired number player. Or it's every living captain that you can get into St. Louis for Sunday. That'd be cool. I mean, and that means that means everyone, including Wayne, if he'll do it. Oh, I mean, he's he's been there. He was at the last game, so. Um, but you know, I I think that. If it's one person, it's it's Bobby Plager. It's got to yeah, be. It's got to be. But if you really want to show out, then I think you call in all the guns. I am, and the reason why I think that could happen is because of how much they use Chris Pronger in that pregame piece. Could be, yeah. Which, anyway, did he work for Florida still or not? I forgot. No, Maybe I think he's done. Okay. Which sidebar? I think it's time that we put forty-four in the rafters. Yeah, I know our friend uh, Jeff Ponder over at Let's Go Blues uh, Radio really, really wants it to happen. Being his favorite player, I think, I think so. it's time. I think it's time, and I think with what he's done in this series, I, I, I think that uh, I think it's time. 
I think that he's he's doing enough now. He was in the building, I think, for game six against San Jose. I think believe so. Or maybe game seven against Dallas. One of them he, they showed him. Yeah. But um I think it's it's time. It's time to put 44 on the rafters. Yeah, I, I full heartedly agree. He's got to so, be the next guy, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, oh yeah, we'll do the trade real quick before we wrap up because we're going a little bit long here. So the Winnipeg Jets traded the rights to Kevin Hayes to the Philadelphia Flyers for a fifth round pick. So basically, they're all they're getting is negotiating rights before uh, July they have 1st. a chance. Well, because now it's like a week before that, and so it's right before the draft. They kind of have they like they can talk to the other teams, but not officially sign a contract until July first. So they can like verbally agree on stuff. So they're trying to get an early start. It looks like Philadelphia trying to sign Kevin Hayes, bring him back to the Eastern Conference. Uh, not a bad thing for them. A couple little rumors. Toronto in the middle of everything, of course. Vancouver looks like they want to trade for everybody. Vancouver wants to acquire Zaitza from Toronto, who's trying to trade him. And Patrick Marlowe, who wants out. I mean, Toronto's going to be a buzz with their normal uh, – show during this during the summertime they gotta sign marner i mean they yeah. got a lot of stuff to do so who knows in the blues who knows what's gonna happen for once that's not our focus our focus you, is uh, the stanley cup finals you heard the rumor out of ottawa today correct yeah eric carlson possibly going back to ottawa which i think it's more like they're gonna offer him a contract and i bet you he'll be like yeah i don't want to come back to this place i don't want to come to this basically circus and possibly Montreal offering contract, which is only an hour down the road. So that could happen too. So who knows? Uh, lots of rumors. We'll get into that in the off season. Cause guess what? We're not ready for the off season yet. No, so, sir. So hopefully at the latest, we have at least, we have definitely a week left. A week from today will be game seven. If that uh, does go that far, that can shave this awful looking thing on my face. And uh, it, I have to tell you the beard, whatever that lady put in your beard, it looks very nice. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, that's my haircut. He's like, let me put this thing and get a little fuller. I'm like, that's not much going on there. Um, thanks. And plus, I don't know how you guys do it. Like, legit. Like, I like have this like weird mustache kind of goatee thing going on right now, and um, it's like bugging the crap out of me. Oh, I'm so ready. I, yeah. I, this is the longest I've ever gone without shaving, and I have people going, "Oh, you look good with the beard. You should keep it." Hell yeah. no. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. Like, and and the wife is not a is very what's really wants all this gone because she's just like, <laughs> I think it was last week. She's like, I really don't want to go out with you right now because you look really awful. So you can you like trim it a little bit. So I lightly kind of did a couple of things so I didn't look like a complete idiot. But she's like, between yeah. you not cutting your hair and then not shaving, you look really ridiculous. And, <laughs> and I was like, thanks, babe. So anyway. That's besides the point. So uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us on Twitter, it's at Blues Hockey NHL. And Chris is at? At Hossapalooza. And if you get a hold of us on the Facebook and the Instagram, you'll see a lot of great stuff on there. I've been posting pictures and videos from all the games we've been to, all the activities we've done outside the arena. Um, just trying to – trying to. Uh, my, my goal is one of my games. I'm trying to enjoy the game and enjoy it for myself. Yeah. And not trying to record and watch it through a phone. Cause I feel like that's like, I'm sure as you going to as many concerts as you do, you see people do that. And it's All like, when am I going to watch this again? Um, so my party is like that, but only the certain moments, like the end of the game, we were outside walking around how crazy it was after the game the other night. I kind of got a little yeah. bit of that. I try to do my most to just kind of enjoy the moment, but I try to share as much as I can with everybody. So hope you guys are enjoying that. So that's on uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's uh, blues hockey podcast. 
And also look for us on our website, lewishockeypodcast.net and also .com. Uh, and to download the podcast or listen to it on all your favorite podcast places, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, like I said, our website, so blueshockeypodcast.net. So I think I've wrapped up everything and everything's looking good. So, um, like I said, we should have one, maybe probably two podcasts up here that you're listening to. So I hope you're enjoying that. Hopefully, by the time we come back, you, Chris is out of town. So we're just getting ready to leave in the morning here. And you'll I be, will be back rushing back. Yes, you'll be I, rushing back for game two. I, uh, excuse me, game six. I on, uh, changed at, my plans to be back in time for game six. Yeah, I actually had plans on Sunday as well, and I've had it for like months. And I had to tell, call somebody today and say, yes, remember that thing we're supposed to hang out with? I really can't. It's something really important going on, which he understood 100%, but still. Uh, so game six will be another fun one. But let's take care of business on game five first and not look ahead. So uh, for right now, uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys. Hopefully some good news next time. Hi to my new best friend, Craig. Thanks for listening. See you guys. Nervous? 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 Is your answer? Is your answer? Is your answer? Is your answer? Is your answer?